You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of You are fucking amazing. I love that shirt, man. Hell yeah, man. My uh, little Ricky is, uh, is going to go to one of our patrons, actually. Hell yeah, man. I love our patrons, man. And this is a good time to promote our Patreon, actually. Uh, if you haven't checked yeah. our Patreon, actually, we, sh- we should promote. We should like do a little ad for this, man, at the very beginning of uh, the episode. You know what I mean? Just promote it. Anyways, man, if you haven't checked our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Um, it has a bunch of tiers there, basically going from like five bucks all the way to if you're a business and you want to be a partner and sponsor this podcast and uh, um, do something more with us. Uh, you basically get a bunch of free stuff if you signed up uh, to be our patrons. You get some uh, free stickers every single month, even on our, you know, our second tier, basically. And uh, there you go. Look at those stickers, man. It's nice because a lot of the stickers are like artists that have been on the podcast, so it's like a nice yep. little uh, I got some, uh, some scam stickers right there. There's some dead cell right there. You got uh, Fuxus right here. Actually, Fuxus and Dexel haven't been on yet. But, um, yeah, each one of these packs is different. So um, just uh, some of the stuff that we send out to our patrons. Nice, um, man. But uh, so we uh, we good with that? Yeah. And all right. So today... Uh, our guest. No, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm a little excited, dude, just because, I mean, dude, just a little while ago, uh, we found out that um, <laughs> the most, the new most famous woman in the world, um, Kamala Harris, is now the, uh, you know, vice president uh, pick for, uh, for Joe Biden. Yeah, it's definitely progress, man. Which is like the third woman that's been uh, uh, the VP pick or something like that. So, uh, you know, that's pretty, that's I don't know, progress. man. I'm just stoked. I, I really, I really hope they win. Um, just, uh, just so that she can be. Uh, she, I mean, don't don't get me wrong, dude. Like I love uh, Biden and you know things that he's done. There's certain things that he's done that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, the one problem that I do have is just the age. You yeah, know what I mean, it's, like, it's, it's I don't, I don't want someone that's that old running my life for me, you know, so um, I kind of see her as, you know, coming in and he's going to, you know, he's old, man. He could snap off any minute and then, you know, she'll be the new president. But so do you see, um, see, do you I think see that, like, that's awesome. You see, like, uh, that, I, I agree, man. I mean, like, sometimes I saw him on the Daily Show interview. He was good. Biden was, like, on point. You know, I didn't feel like there was any, like, uh, you know just like uh what's the word anyways feebleness i guess the uh age situation yeah yeah the, um uh, what's the word i'm blanking on myself anyway um yeah but it, but all they're but, just they're both too old they're both too old as far as i'm concerned what i, what I can't you know what help I mean? what i can't help man is sometimes i just i just think like man like uh um neither of them are making the decisions you, you know what i mean it's, it's like there's a democratic party now that's like kind of pushing these two candidates that neither of them actually have enough mental capacity or power to uh to defeat trump but hopefully like i said anything's better than trump man like i'll just put it out there you, you, you know what i mean uh, but one thing that i have let's to- get away from that though let's oh, I just, yeah. i'm excited that, that, that kamala harris is uh 
the new uh, VP pick, and I uh, just wanted to, you know, uh, celebrate that, basically. Yeah, definitely, um, man. Well, today, today we have a real special guest, man. I'm real excited for this, man. I've been wanting to talk to oh, him. Oh, yeah, man. Jasper from, uh, from Pow Wow. Um, this guy's awesome, man. Um, he, uh, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, but I do know that uh, what he's done with the powwow is amazing. Um, I know they've done one in, in Hawaii and Long Beach. Um, All around the world, man. They've done, yeah, I've done, I just, I can't remember, um, I know in Austin, um, but yeah, just all over the world. And um, yeah, dude, I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked to, uh, to get to talk to this guy, man. Yeah, man. And he's Chinese, too. So, like, uh, I love to talk to a fellow Chinese, American Chinese brother. You, you, you know, I mean, like, talk a little bit about growing up Chinese, man. So, without further ado, man. Awesome. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. Welcome, Jasper. Welcome to the show, man. Dude, that is uh, that is some amazing um, work behind you. Yeah, that's uh, please, man. This is a skill painted an image of my wife. So it's a small one. Right. And these are prints from here. Wanderlust um, matched these on top. Here are some prints. One, two, three, clan gave me that. that oh, wow. That me right there. Uh, David Flores, Tristan Eaton, some stuff from Ogie. Um, Wow. That's an amazing collection, man. That's like a little museum right behind you there. Yeah, definitely, man. Those are some uh, heavy hitter names. Yeah, man. I will screw my family. Oh, <laughs> very cool. I got to yes. frame some of these things up. I have more stuff, but I just need to frame it. Framing is so expensive. I just. Yeah, definitely, right? Absolutely you... right. You know what? A lot of people don't realize um, how much frames should cost. Like, you know, they go down to uh, Michael's or whatever, Aaron Brothers or something like that, and they get, like, the, the cheapest, basically, thing that they can find that's close enough to whatever they're framing. And that's, like, a <clears> – don't get me wrong. I'd rather see something framed and, and up on the wall than, than not. But you should be spending at least, you know, maybe half of what you're spending on, on the artwork on the frame um, if you really want to, you know, compliment yeah, and no, – um, well, I think that's, well, that's Hawaii, what I like, like since everything has to get shipped and everything has to be imported, like frames here probably cost maybe like five times more than they would do anywhere mm. else. Oh my god! At least more than California. So there's there's times when I go in for just a simple frame job, like maybe like a sixteen by twenty four print, and it costs like five times more than the print. And I'm like, I'm not gonna, I can't, like, I might have to like buy like a cheap frame somewhere because that's way too much. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Do you guys get free Amazon Prime in Hawaii? Just curious. I mean, do you guys have free two days? We do have Amazon Prime, but it doesn't come as fast. And there's a lot of things that they won't ship over. Okay, okay. And then, like, I've tried utilizing some of those, like, you know, they've had some of those, like, online framing companies that try to provide quality frames at cheaper rates, but then they also don't ship to Hawaii. Mm, interesting, man. Yeah. My my ex fiance actually is from Hawaii. I mean, uh, so I actually visited Hawaii a lot of times and I'm really familiar with like the Chinese uh, uh, community over there, y y you know, and everything like that. So, I mean, did you grow up in Hawaii, man? Yeah, I grew up out here, but I'm more interested in like, when someone says the word ex-fiance, there's a story behind that. <laughs> ah, sure. somebody sure. had called out. 
Sure, man. No, I mean, oh, well, the, today the episode's out, always about you, man. But sure, man. Let's kind of introduce ourselves because hey, I, mean, I tell stories about myself. Fuck <laughs> you got to come on. You, gotta you can't say like, 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 oh, my ex just like, there's a, there is a sad, there's a story behind that. No, there's no sad story. But actually, no, <laughs> sure. I mean, we don't have to tell the come story. On. I'm just no, I'm it's, just, it's funny. It's, it's funny. I love that, man, because I, wa- I, I always, I always tell the audience, I'm like, hey, I want it to be like a casual, like fly on the wall. This isn't like a normal show where it's like, Hey, tell me about your art. You, you, know, you know what I mean? This is about the fucking format. You know what I mean? Here's your format, right? <laughs> and this here. is about, this is about the hang, you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, you know, Jasper, you don't, you don't know us too well, but yeah, let me explain. Um, basically I started LA street art gallery. Actually, it's a, uh, online blog, basically talking about LA street art. How I started it was, um, I was a pharmaceutical sales in the, uh, Melrose and Fairfax area. So I would deliver drugs to doctors. Drug dealer. <laughs> Technically, then, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, James. Go ahead. <laughs> At nighttime, uh, you know, I moonlight as a, a DJ music producer. You know, if you're in the LA scene, you got to do something creative, basically. You know, you know what I mean? So I work in music as well, too. Uh, but, but nowadays, and then so during that period of time, I would just deliver drugs to doctors and I would just see all this cool street art going up, you, you know? And uh, I felt like, damn, somebody needs to capture this. So I would just take pictures while I was at work and upload them to a blog, basically. And I started this thing called LA Street Art Gallery. Fast forward about 10 years later, I mean, we have a nice little- Luckily, he got that name. No one had it yet. No (laughs) one had that name, LA Street Art Gallery yet. Yeah. uh, It just happened to be like, what? No one's got this name? I'll take it. Yeah. And then, you know, what? it kind of became a responsibility because um, there was another blog called Melrose and Fairfax that was the blog. And I was friends with um, the, uh, Greg, who was the founder of that blog. So, um, you know, as he stepped down, taking away, uh, he was like, I'm not going to do the street art thing anymore. And he's like, I'll pass the torch to you guys. Basically. I felt like we had a responsibility to document what was going on in this scene in LA, basically, because, you know, every single type of a uh, street art from around the world, they want to get up in LA because it's such an iconic area, the Melrose area, you know? So fast forward 10 years later, I mean, many videos, interns and other correspondence that have <clears throat> uploaded to the community. Uh, I think what the most beautiful thing that has come out of this is the the podcast actually and our YouTube channel because now we have actually a dialogue going amongst the artists and uh, artists talking to each other. And what was a world that was- very- Hold on, hold on. So uh, going back a few years, um, I'd say probably about seven, eight years or something like that, um, James met a very nice lady and um uh so then what happened there oh yeah <laughs> you want me to talk about my ex-fiance <laughs> no you know it's just funny you, you know, you're, right. Story. you're right you're right you're right i got kind of carried on street art long story short man she didn't like the la street art gallery man she was like why are you wasting all this time with street art all the time you, you know i mean this is like a really dumb scene actually i mean one of the many reasons it's not just the only reason you know but basically, at the end of the day, I was uh, becoming more of an artist. Um, and, it, you know, uh, I didn't work for uh, a corporate pharmaceutical company anymore. I started my own business. And uh, I'm actually a chemist. I make paint products, actually, that go along with street art, too. So, I mean, you know, fast forward 10 years. Um, he dodged a fucking missile. <laughs> not a bullet. Not a bullet, Jasper. He dodged a fucking <laughs> missile. So, you I mean, know. like. <laughs> I've had no I've had I mean I didn't like end up being a fiance but I, I, I have a similar story you know with like an ex-girlfriend same same you know interesting so I mean sort of like being an artist and you know not seeing that as a stable career path and worries of supporting a family with 
being an artist, you know, like that kind of thing. And you just like, you know, it, it's hard to be with someone that doesn't believe in your, in your passion. So. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I think, I think that's a, th thank you for, for sharing that actually. Cause I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, people who aren't um, in the artsy world, they see it as very, everything is very, that artists do is very trite. It's like, why do you need to do that? Why do you need to, uh, um, like, uh, you, you know, why, where does your inspiration come from smoking weed? Like <laughs> sometimes, you know, or like, it, it keeps me from killing people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, artist habits. I think that it, it is very challenging and people who aren't artists, if you're with an artist, they really need to understand the artist mentality because, um, you know, and actually for myself, it took me a long time to accept that I am an artist type too, because uh, you know, um, especially going to college and uh, being in a fraternity and all this stuff like that. Um, you know, you know, anything unique is kind of you know, like if you're in the corporate world, it's not very looked happy upon. Basically, you you, you know, you don't want to stick out as an artist who DJs if you're in the corporate pharmaceutical world, basically, right? So, anyways, that's my backstory, man. So I, I love to hear a little bit more about like uh, yourself. Like you know, you grew up. Did, were you born in Hawaii, man? Yeah, born and raised out here, yeah. And you're Chinese or, uh, I'm guessing you're Cantonese, right? Cantonese, yeah. 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 Oh, my Whoa, dad listen to Mr. Kong, I know. Look. That's impressive, <laughs> Just like do the whole show in Cantonese so that, you know. When you <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, and I'll just sit here like. Well, hi, you, hi, you know, hi, it's, hi, it's funny because. Hi, hi. I know that because most of, most of the, uh, <clears throat> there's, there's, in Chinese, there's basically two types of uh, main languages. There's a uh, uh, dialect, basically. There's Mandarin. Um, and then there's Cantonese, basically. Those are the two big ones, you, you know. And I would say that most of the immigrants that fled to Hawaii after World War II were, <clears throat> were kind of from the South, you, you know. So there's, there's a lot of them speak more Cantonese. Like my parents... But also from the um, Hong Kong handover, the worry of Hong Kong going back to China in 97. That's correct. A lot of Chinese left of worry about like, them having to like, live in the communist country because there was, there was British rule for like 100 years. So many migrated to Hawaii, to Vancouver, Sydney, Australia, LA, etc. Yeah, yeah. The Actually, thing like better Cantonese food like in Canada than there is like sometimes I think in Hong Kong. Oh, I, I agree, man. I, I agree, man. It's weird because think about this. I always, I always tell teachers actually, it's like the best, if you go to China, I mean, nowadays, maybe in Shanghai, but things like you're not going to necessarily find the best Chinese food because the best chefs are going to try to come to America to open up restaurants and so they can make more money, you know, a lot of times like- Dude, you took me to an amazing Chinese place out there where you live, where it's, it's like nowhere. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean like, where it's, it's right. Oh, well, I mean, no, we're, <laughs> if, uh, you, you know, I, I'm sure uh, this area is basically a Chinese enclave. I mean, Chinese American enclave, you know, um, a lot of people from, uh, uh, my parents are from Taiwan, basically, uh, for the white people, not Thailand, okay, Taiwan. <laughs> Okay. So where, was the, where was the Chinese restaurant? Was that in City of Industry or? Yeah, or, City of um, Industry. This is the 626. This is the San Gabriel Valley. There's tons of Chinese people best here, Chinese man. Best Chinese place I've ever had. Best Chinese food I've ever had. And you're like, where? No, not <laughs> Hollywood. Not fucking, you know, uh, Bel Air or, you know, Rodeo no Drive or whatever. City of Industry. Yeah, I mean. Best. Well, the thing is, like, we have a lot of different types of food, Asian American food here in Southern California. But I mean, Hawaii, man, has awesome food scene, right? Right, right Jasper? I mean, yeah. I, I go yeah. there to grub, man. I mean, it's such an Asian American influence of culture, man. Yeah, definitely. Because I like, you know, a lot of Japanese immigrants came through for plantation work. And so those kind of like 
food and culture then like mixed with a lot of other Asian cultures that also came through here, like the Filipinos and the Chinese as well, but also with native Hawaiian food and Polynesian food. You know, so all that kind of food comes together out here, you know, poke's from here, um, you know. Love poke. Like Hawaiian food is amazing. Like you get like lao lao, kalua, kalua. Oh yeah. All that stuff is amazing. Um, you know, and all the stuff, even like Portuguese food, you know, like, like malasadas, like Portuguese donuts and stuff, really popular out here. You know, so a lot of good food out here, yeah, for sure. Yeah, now totally. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Jasper, I got a question for you. Um, so I know you're an artist. Um, what, uh, when you were growing up, when did you realize you were an artist? Like at what age? Oh man, probably like almost like probably right away because I spent most of my time drawing when I was a kid. But I was what, more what were you using like in pencils, like, watercolors? What, what yeah, just remember? like what I mean, mostly probably like pencils on paper because that's what I had and crayons. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time as a kid watching a lot of cartoons like Hanna Barbera, you know, tons of anime, tons of Dragon Ball. But I watched Dragon Ball in Cantonese. You so know that's what? How I thought there was <clears throat> me, I, I, for I me. I didn't have cable, so we didn't get to watch Dragon Ball, but it was like my parents would let me buy Dragon Ball comics at the Chinese store so I can like learn Chinese. And actually Dragon Ball was not a very big anime guy, actually. But the thing is like Dragon Ball, I feel like was like universal for like uh, our age, man. You, you know what I mean? It was just so fun, man. Uh, I, I'm 37. Oh, the story itself has Chinese roots, right? I mean, like that's the Monkey King originally, the very first one. Yeah. Jasper, how old are you? I'm 37. This year. Oh, dude. Oh, so we're basically we're the same age, basically. Same age. Yeah, 83, basically, right? So yeah, we're Asian, so then we like we look like we're like in our 20s. 22. Look at your fucking 22. And we like 22, like the hobbits. What else? Like 65 over here? Fuck both of you guys. I always say, man, Asian don't raisin, dude. You, you, you know what I mean? So shit, dude. <laughs> but yeah, you know, for me, I always I love Hanna Barbera too, man. I feel like there was an era when I was a kid. <clears throat> even like you know we share this with teachers generate we still watch like bugs bunny and shit like that you, you know what i mean and like into hanna barbera into uh, you know but i feel like then there was a generation that it became the i guess those cartoons became kind of like too violent or something like that so they yeah. changed to like dora the explorer like <laughs> you know all these like weird not as good animation so like i kind of lost or or they took japanese cartoons like Yu-Gi-Oh and put american stuff on it you know language on it right I feel like there was like a shift in like the quality of the animation, man. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think stylistically too, right? Like, cause then we were, we lived through the the teenage Ninja Turtle, GI Joe, Transformer age, right during the eighties, He Man, yeah. which was like yeah, probably like the super violent age where like everyone was super ripped, and fighting <laughs> each other, and all they had like no clothes, but on their super tight clothes. And that was like all the superheroes too, right? It's like everyone just like wore spandex yeah. for a long time. <laughs> And then I blame WWE. And, and then it kind of switched over to like you know now it's like Adventure Time. Like it got really kind of. I mean I feel like animation today got really interesting. You know. With yeah, like yeah, yeah. More and all that stuff. You know. Um, at least like there's a ton more like sort of adult animation. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's not Which so much for... outside of like The Simpsons, really, right? Like when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Teach, just curious. Did you? <clears throat> because obviously, um, you know, you, when you were in the when these cartoons were in the '80s, you were like uh, you know, older than us already, right? So. Um, did you watch these at all? I'm just saying because the, yeah. Like, oh okay. yeah, dude. Yeah, when the Simpsons came out, um, yeah, that was the shit. Uh, my brother and I, I have a brother that's actually two and a half years older than me. Um, dude, we we're on top of that. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's only when, once really you get out of high school right. and you disconnect with that whole high school, you know, uh, mentality. Do you go on to other, I think, realms of of comics and and cartoons and stuff? Because um, 
you know, that's that's kind of what happened. I was watching the the Bucks Bunny when they originally were coming out, like when they were. What about like Beavis and Butthead? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we love Beavis, Beavis and Butthead too. Uh, South Park. I even caught a little bit of uh, the tail end of South Park, but then right around South Park was when I was getting to be about thirty something years old, and then shit was starting to kick into fast forward, and I just kind of like you know got <laughs> more too many shows to watch. Everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, so getting back to to um, your your influence, um, Jasper, um, what? Uh, what kind of mediums did you um, develop into like going into, um, you know, into the, well, I don't know how they do the school system in Hawaii. I'm imagining the you have elementary grades and then junior high and high school. No, yeah. No, so we like, just done hula for like our whole childhood. I'm sorry. We just do hula the whole time out here. We don't do anything <laughs> else. There's only one. For hula. We just, well, I know we, that. Uh, but... We just dance and like spin fire sticks around. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Howley. Kind of, uh... <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's same thing. Same as the as a regular American system out here. So elementary, intermediate, high school, then college. Um, and then, but then the thing is that there's a huge divide between the public school system and the private school system. The public, and then so we out here, like, there's just no funding for public education. So a Not lot everybody of everybody goes to right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and otherwise, like, you know, there's like maybe three. Or yeah, maybe like three major private schools that kids go to, um, which is Punahou, Iolani, or like Midpath. Those are yep. probably the top three. It's funny, and my uh, all the smaller sort of schools, you know, um, yeah, my, charter schools and stuff. The president, the uh, President Obama went to Punahou, right? And yeah. then uh, I have a couple oh, of friends like who went. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who went to uh, Punahou, but yeah, my ex, she went to McKinley's. It was like in the ghetto, man. Basically, you know, you know what I mean? Or yeah, something. I mean, like I went to I went to public school myself. I went to uh, okay. Kalani. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, like you know, it's like all these really sort of, like, like poorly funded, like schools, and a lot of them end up cutting out arts and music programs due to lack of funding. So even like my daughter's public school, she's an elementary school, she's going to go to second grade. They oh, have wow. no arts program there. There's zero arts program. Like they cut it out like two years ago. Like they have no money for it. They have no money for art teachers or anything or for spent supplies. Nothing. And a lot of even high schools have that. A lot of high schools don't even have arts programs. So for a kid growing up in Hawaii, and also at the same time, there's not a lot of exposure to the arts. You know, like there aren't a lot of galleries. You know, um, there's only like a few museums, art museums here. And it's not like other cities that I've lived in where there's tons. You know, like, you know, living in San Francisco for like six years, it's like, you know, you're surrounded by, by art during those times and so or even like other cities you know like you, know, you go to any other sort of metropolitan city there's tons of museums tons of art galleries tons of ways to sort of get in tons of classes that that kids can take to like learn about music and art uh, out here a lot less so and so a lot of it is really like a lot of self-taught like mm. methods you know like as a kid like i would just copy comic books that i would have i would do animations on the sides of composition books like those stick figures Ooh. fighting each other. Yeah. yeah. I wish I still had those things because then I, I kind of like, I, I spent so much time drawing stick figures fighting each other, ripping their heads off and doing <laughs> adokens and kamehamehas and stuff 
all how my, thick all of, my a, of a books. little uh, well, like tiny like, oh, like little tiny ones and then just like flip the edges of the book oh, and you know, just, oh my god well, dude, you, brought you, me that's back. a lot of pages you saying this yeah. thick that's a lot of pages man I used to do like full cartoons in those things <laughs> man you just brought me back man because you know what I forgot I used to do that too man like I, I literally what? would yeah no I, I literally you know what I would do I would take the uh, the slicer <clears throat> okay, I would take the slicer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I would paper cutters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I would slice the paper cutter, and then I would get get like a nice little booklet, basically, and then I would just basically. Well, I, it's funny that you do sick men killing each other. I would basically do like a guy skateboarding like up and down a hill, kind of, and then running into a rock by flipping those books. But <laughs> yeah, man, I totally forgot. I I totally forgot I used to do that kind of shit, man. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. mine was just more like Dragon Ball and like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter influenced. I think it was always like two guys. <laughs> fighting each other did you let me ask did you ever <clears throat> for me like actually because again i kind of pursued music as my um as my art artistic uh you, you know field basically instead of drawing but i actually for me it was a, uh, my first time drawing uh stuff and i knew i had some sort of at least semi-talent was um i would draw these dragon ball things and then basically i, I would put them in my clear folder in the front right and then yeah um, yeah yeah and then and then some uh like white kids would be like hey that's pretty cool man and then he's like can i buy that from you man and then i was like oh shit dude oh can then, you buy that from you i didn't yeah, have that want, i think yeah. we just asked you to draw it for them for free <laughs> well, i was well, just gonna ask you dude at what age at what age do you remember um because this always happens to us artists you know the guy comes to you and he wants you to draw something and he's gonna pay you something or he wants it as a favor but someone's basically coming to you to do some artwork for them. At what age did it happen to you the first time? Uh, probably, I think probably like in like late high school. I mean like 17, 18, but it wasn't like artwork. It was like, oh, can you design a logo for me or something? Mm. You know? Okay. And at that Digitally? time, it's like, I didn't really like understand Photoshop Illustrator. So it was just more just me drawing stuff and scanning it in or like using a Xerox machine to sort of get it. Mm. Um, Cause I didn't really like learn those programs well at least until like college you know so um it was that i think i got my first computer probably like in high school I th because I then the internet at that time came around when i was maybe like an intermediate school and i was like making those shitty geocities websites about yeah like, actually rap. that was what <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, we grew up in the same era, man. Because <laughs> like all I was the like, what am I? <laughs> and all like the old English type and stuff. It's like too yeah. <laughs> Love this guy, man. You know what? No, seriously, that was like one of my few first hustles, actually, because, <clears throat> well, the guy said he wanted to buy the drawing from me, and I said, no, I can't give it to you, man. How about I scan it, and then I'll sell it for you for cheaper, basically. So th that was like one of my first things, and then I would just, pr I had a color printer, and then I would just print out like Dragon Ball, pick, you know, eight and a half by 11, and then just uh, start selling them. And then also, I would burn CDs of gangster rap for girls, basically, and that, I think yeah. that's what started my DJ career, actually, because Making <laughs> you know, and I always say, man, if I look back at like my first like business model, man, it was just like hustling mixtape and art, man, and it's like shit. Bro, I'm still like I, same same thing, but like different products. Like like back in the day, you know, we had like pay per view and stuff, like but it was all like scrambled, right? Oh yeah, but, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, like, I would watch the scramble like, all day, man. And you need to pay for it to like unscramble it, but then you could buy these like little black boxes. Yeah, 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 like yeah. Automatically, you scramble everything so you can watch HBO, Cinemax, whatever. But you yeah. also watch all the porn, right? Like all yeah, Playboy, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because before the internet, like you know, like porn was hard to get. It, it cost money. Yeah. And so as kids, that like, you're going through puberty, you're like, oh shit, I can't get any porn. It's super hard. I'll just watch the scramble thing and hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But then when my dad got the de-scrambler was when I started making money. So like we used to have all the VHS tapes, right? And my dad was sort of like record all the movies, like Indiana Jones and whatever. Yeah. Know? Maybe like squeeze three movies into like one VHS tape or something. <laughs> but I will like put in a VHS tape before I went to bed, throw it in there, record it at like whatever, Playboy, whatever. And then just like record like how many hours could fit into VHS tape. <laughs> then I would have like a tape full of random porn that would that I put in before I slept. So I picked it up in the morning. Oh, dude, you're a king, cool. man. You're a king, dude. Yeah, then I would sell those tapes to my friends for like five bucks a pop. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dude, I love the wow. hustle mentality, man. I, you know yes. what it is? I think nice. it's I think it's gangster rap, man. It's just like it, that that era. It was so like kind of like influential, man. Like it was always about like yeah, my fault. The music I listen to, motherfucker. <laughs> it's always like hustling and you know making that money and and real street yeah. shit. And it, I mean, like I said, for me later on, obviously, like uh, you know that that you're talking about different products, man, that grew to different other products, basically to making money, you, you, you know, you know what I mean? But I think it's just funny that it's just like, damn, you grew up in Hawaii and uh, we're having like a very similar upbringing, man. It, it, you know, I'm just from being Asian American, man. I love that dude. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I was like, I mean, we weren't poor. We we're like probably like middle-class, you know, Chinese, you know, but it was still like, oh, I can make money doing this. So I'm going to just try to sell porn. I should have got into that industry because I'd probably be like super rich now, but I can stop <laughs> You know what? Because uh, then, then, like, all the big porn came around, and you're like, oh. There goes we've, had a, we've had porn stars on here on this podcast, man. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yes, we there's have. still a chance, man. There's still a chance. <laughs> but, anyways, man, let's get back to the art, man. Dude, that's so pretty much you just, uh, you know, stayed in Hawaii most of your life, basically. Or would you say, like, um, you know, because you have all these other programs all around, man. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how Pow Wow kind of like started, dude? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I lived in Hawaii till, you know, high school graduation. Then I lived in Portland for about half a year. Then I lived in the Bay Area for about six years. Kyoto for about half a year. Hong Kong about four years. Oh, wow. But, wow. you know, after I graduated from college, I, um, I wanted to figure out how to, I mean, the thing is like when you graduate from art college, like they teach you technical skills and conceptual thinking, but they don't Where'd tell you, you like school? how to like, then like, I went to California College of the Arts in San Francisco and Oakland. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so they, after they, I graduated, they, they, they I didn't don't know how to like- teach you how to what? I'm sorry, they don't teach you how to what though? To like uh, the business side of art. Yeah. Like it's like, okay, you know, like, like, oh, here's some like technical skills, conceptual thinking, but like, then how do I like make a living? you know like yeah yeah we like i graduated yeah. with a bfa in illustration and at that time it was like okay there's two things you can do with this degree you can either do children's books or editorials for like magazines and i'm like, here. like i don't want to do either of those things really <laughs> and so the, the thing was like as you know we a bunch of my friends and i we wanted to sort of like start a brand i think a lot of us try to like start some t-shirt brand or something seems like the easiest thing to do but at that time it wasn't so easy because you know you still need like capital there's like minimums there's like you know screen fees there's like trying to figure out branding all this kind of stuff and so i figure you know like i have a lot of roots in hong kong i'll move to hong kong and figure out how to manufacture things like maybe it can then sort of like broaden it beyond t-shirts to maybe like cut and sew or something or shoes or whatever right mm -hmm. so i moved to hong kong um and there i like end up meeting a lot of different manufacturers just from like cold calling cold emailing people i meet up with uh, ralph loren manufacturers guys that do stuff for coach for steve madden etc and i realized that you know like to be honest like the cost going is so high 
you know, especially if you want to do like shoes and stuff too, like you got to pay for all the different soles, like each one's like a hundred grand, like or so to like, so like all the molds going, and that's per size, right? Yeah. It's almost like impossible to jump in, you know? And so unless you use like existing soles, um, and then like, but so t-shirts always seemed like the easiest thing, but living in Hong Kong, what happened was I ended up one working for Hypebeast for a little while. Okay. So you know, I get into like sort of like that whole like street fashion blog, sure. you know, and then I end up doing like different like you know art related sort of articles and features. Um, that's how I end up you know becoming friends with guys like James Jean, you know, like different people, um, working with you know guys like Bobby Hundreds and you know you know um, legends, man. Yeah, all these dudes that like end up through Hypebeast through like you know me being close friends with Eugene Khan, who was like the the chief editor there and all the guys at Hypebeast. So I end up sort of opening my world within the street fashion industry. But at the same time, when I was living there, I wanted to continue, you know, pursuing my art, um, my, my, my paintings and everything, because I kind of fell in love with that living in the Bay. You know, like during that time, like social media wasn't really a big thing, right? So the only time that people really saw your work was in gallery settings. And yeah. it's the only time that you could maybe even get your work validated by people actually liking your work beyond yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, like for a lot of artists, it's a very solitary pursuit. And so it was the only way to share work was through group shows or solo shows. And if you're lucky, you got a solo show, right? So I, I did a lot of group shows living in the Bay, you know, which is something that I wasn't familiar with living in Hawaii because there wasn't as many galleries. So in Hong Kong, I was like, there's tons of galleries in Hong Kong. I'm going to try to, you know, bring my portfolio around and hopefully I can get a show somewhere. I took my, my work to a ton of different galleries and I got rejected at every single one. And the one thing to know about Hong Kong is that it's a very finance-based city. So yep. when it comes to art, they kind of like view art as an investment, right? So if you don't feel like you're a good investment, they don't really want to show your work. They don't want to, so then a lot of galleries don't even like promote local Hong Kong artists. It's like guaranteed sell, you know, like artists that works guaranteed sell the work and you can make some money from it. Um, and so the one thing that was really popular at that time, still is to a degree, is like mainland Chinese artists. Like mainly Chinese artists was a good commodity to sort of invest in. And because I was American Chinese, they pretty much told me I was the wrong Chinese. Wow. That if I was like maybe from Shanghai, Beijing, or from Shenzhen or something, there'd probably be a better chance of me selling work than me being American. Jeez, so my man. reaction to that was, you know, I'll just start my own gallery. So, you know, so there was this um, old restaurant that was abandoned for about a decade. And so, you know, just come in there, paint the walls white, put in some doors and windows, because it was one of those like roll-up restaurants. And you, you, you have a gallery. And the very first exhibition at that gallery was the very first powwow that I did there. And so, you know, and then a big part of that first show was one, let's try to um, bring in artists together to sort of collaborate and work together. You know, so at that time, you know, I was close with like, Guys like Will Barris, you know, guys like Buya, uh, Jahan, different people from different cities, and I flew them all in to sort of collaborate and work on stuff together. Um, and also, like, you know, let's let's do work without the intent to sell. Like, if we didn't have that mindset, like, what kind of work we do, you know, we'd be more experimental if we don't care about selling the work, and we'll destroy some of the artwork afterwards. You know, so we did that. Um, and also, like, maybe we can turn these galleries at least my gallery into an open studio so people can come and check out the work because a lot of times the process is a lot more interesting than the final art itself to sort of like watch an artist kind of go through that struggle to try to figure sure. the art and where, it, and where it goes. And so we try to do all those kinds of things in hopes of sort of changing the landscape of the art scene in Hong Kong. And then during the time that we had that gallery, um, you know, we ended up doing, you know, more shows promoting local artists 
that were in Hong Kong, guys like, you know, Graphic Airlines, KS1, all these guys, but also bring in other artists like Megs and stuff to Hong Kong to do shows as well. Um, so, you know, it was, it was good. And then, so, and then the reason why we called it Powwow in the beginning was really based on my, sort of my love for comic books originally. So like Pow being a punch in the face, right? Sure. And, that, and that's how I saw the impact that art had on a viewer and while being the reaction to that. But powwow is a Native American term for a gathering to celebrate art, culture, you know, music, et cetera, people. So, you know, that was, a, that was what we and was sticking with all these years. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, that was the very first powwow in that gallery and ended up running that gallery for a few years, living in Hong Kong for about four years. Then, you know, the, the year after that first show, I wanted to make it a, sh a traveling show. And I ended up um, contacting friends in Singapore and Germany, et cetera. But a bunch of friends back home said, you should bring it back home to Hawaii. And I kind of had my doubts because Hawaii isn't really like known for it's like super vibrant art scene. I thought maybe like people wouldn't be interested as much. Mm. I mean, they have like a lot of great artists out here, but you know, it's not known for its galleries, you know, outside of maybe some of like the more tourist galleries of like marine landscapes and like Waikiki and stuff. Sure. So I thought, you know what, let's just see. And then so I ended up, you know, trusting my friends and my gut and we ended up doing the second powwow in Hawaii in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and then well, the issue with that was like funding, you know, like, you know, it's very difficult to convince sponsors, at least during that time, to support an art project because for them, you know, they want to promote their brand through concerts you know, another means and less so, and, and they felt like they would get less of a return or wouldn't be as of a good vehicle for promotion through an art show. It wasn't proven in any way. So I couldn't find any funding for it. So, you know, I had three options. One, cancel it, scale it down, or just go for it. And I ended up just using my credit card and paying for it. Almost wow. Okay. Um, when I was young, man, like I didn't, I wasn't married. I had no kids, man. Like I had like no responsibilities, you know, it was like just credit cards and money. It's not really your money, but you know, so I ended up like buying your money, but not really. Yeah. I was thinking we're like, like I ended up meeting different people that like gave me, gave the venue for free. Um, and my friend Kamea, who's, you know, a partner in Powell now, like, you know, his family was like working on like a vacation home that they let us all stay in, in North shore. You know, mm -hmm. so it helped, it helped, you know, it, You're creating it helped, with like, yeah, so then we tried to find different ways, and then, but I ended up paying for the flights and all the paint and everything. So we pretty much, like, did the same project, um, but this time we flew in, guys, you know, from um, different parts of this, the world, added more artists on top of the artists that we already did. And when we're, and pretty much the same project, but within that, this, like, warehouse space. But while we were painting, there was a wall in the parking lot, and one, two, three, class, and of course, hey, let's paint that wall. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Um, so let me try to convince the neighbor because their wall at the end of the day, even though it faces the lot that we're in, um, if we can paint it. So we went over there and the lady was like super against it because she really kind of saw it as, you know, graffiti leads to crime, leads to, you know, like that, that whole like broken window theory, you know? And yeah. so, and so I, I told her like, look, it's a win-win. Like either you get beautiful art on your wall or, we'll paint over it and you get a freshly painted one. It needs a fresh coat anyways. So she was like, okay, you know, like that's a good sale. I'll, I'll let you guys do it. Um, so we painted that wall and we realized that doing murals, um, outdoors kind of fit all the sort of like the missions that we kind of set for ourselves. Like one, it shares process because it's outdoors, right? Two, we can collaborate with each other because they're large walls. Three, we can't sell them because they're murals outdoors. It's for the community. 
And so that kind of all fit in. And so we kind of just did more murals. The following year, we did like 12 murals. And the biggest Hawaii one, we probably did like 100 murals. Wow. Like 120 murals over a week. Um, and then we started expanding all over the globe from like Taiwan to all over Japan, Long Beach, DC, Kathmandu, Guam, Rotterdam, um, Austin, all over. So we've, we've done work in like 17 cities at this point. Wow, man. So it's, it's wrong since but all centered around community beautification, education. Like we started like a school of music, a school of art, a school of photography. And we started like a creative community center here in Hawaii called Lana Lane Studios. Wow, comes full um, circle, just man. Around Around, around art, um, promoting art, and, and using art as a tool to sort of beautify cities and bring people together, so. Dude, I love that, man. I love that. Um, Honestly, it's, it's been like 10 years now, only 11 years now. This is the story that I think that like all like street artists and artists or at least the, in the mural game, they're hoping for, man. You, you know what I mean? To be able to paint on walls, to be able to work with the community, um, to bring it back full circle, have an education program. I mean, you're basically the guy who's done it already, man. So we were just so no, excited. No. <laughs> well, at least gotten a good start, man. You know, you know he's being humble. Well, but hey, you know what? He's, uh, he's being the change that he wants to see. You know what I mean? That's, uh, that's huge. Um, if you put the example out there and, and show the people it can be done and, and how good it can be, then, you know, he's a pioneer and uh you know bringing this about so uh yeah dude, man major respect oh, thank you man um, <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of it really comes from also knowing how to sell the project i think oh yeah yeah i think like you know if you tr especially like a lot of these kinds of things like you know you don't honestly like we don't make money doing this at all because it's public art and you know like i'm not we're not selling tickets to sort of have people look at murals and take photos in front of murals etc and and um at the same time like the cost going is high right like the cost of flights the cost of hotel rooms uh the cost of lifts right if we were doing some of these projects like you're spending at least 30 40 grand on just lifts alone oh yeah wow and then yeah and slowly over time we it would get a lot of different sponsors right like different airlines have come in for support different hotels wow you know montana okay. Kansas is a huge sponsor of ours you know they they pretty much support all of our projects with with spray paint as much as they can um and they've, they've been super supportive you know monster energy has been super supportive you know seeing it as a way to sort of support the arts through our project a lot of them sure. fly in to our festival to sort of like you know be a part of it we've held different concerts with like everyone from like steve aoki to eminem to logic to dilated peoples over the years you know Dude, amazing um, man. so we've done different projects over the years and it's been great to sort of like see the impact that art has on different communities and sort of like dispel a lot of those sort of misconceptions about graffiti and about spray paint art, you know, and how they see it as a negative impact on cities and how it can actually provide a very positive impact on cities, you know? We've yeah, seen definitely. Yeah. Transform, you know, so Jeez, it's, man, been I good, mean, you know, it's been, that's sort of like, like what for us at least, like, you know, that's how we get paid really. It's sort of like seeing these things happen, seeing the impact they've had on communities, but also like all of our, you know, friends and family that we've made over the years you know, with all these different artists, you know? Sure. And you, you know what, man, um, just right here live on the air, man. I mean, hey, man, we're, we'll jump in as a, a new sponsor whenever, however we can, man, because like I create paint products, man. We, I mean, we have the podcast, man, and whatever we can help, man, because I'm telling you, basically, I think like the dream of like many artists is basically completing this type of project or even just participating in uh, um, your project, man, what you've been doing for the community. I mean, I was excited to talk to you, but damn, man, it, it, you guys have just 
made so, uh, done so much, man. It, it's you know, it's world famous, man, and I'd love to support you in any way we can, man. Well, thank you, man. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. You know, you have like a really good like radio voice. Like most Asians don't have that. Voice. <laughs> yeah, like, you I know, sound like a probably like a prepubescent chipmunk when I'm on. <laughs> Oh, I got a fancy mic right here too. That 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 helps, but uh, you know, it's from years of like uh smoking and abuse. No <laughs> you know, there's no filter, but it's from years of uh, you know, smoking weed and cigarettes. I don't smoke as many cigarettes anymore, but yeah, you know, like I said, I'm I've been like uh, like so you're working. Saying if I if I destroy my lungs, I'll have a deeper voice. I'm gonna yeah, ex exactly. It'll be good for radio, but not for the long run. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but but no, man. I, I you know, for me personally, I've always worked in kind of like. Um, as a DJ and as a music producer in the electronic world, I also produce hip hop artists as well too. So it's really exciting to whenever we connect um, art and music together, man. And I always just, uh, for me personally, like uh, I've always just kind of like DJed around Hollywood, Orange County. I've DJed in Europe as well too. And whenever there's a, a for me, I always kind of kept this blog as my baby because I knew that whenever we have events, man, they're gonna need a DJ. And um, you know, for me, it's just like it's nothing better to work with artists that are you know, musicians, and also they appreciate the, uh, the visual aspect of art. Cause you know, just standing around looking at murals and, uh, you know, you know, it doesn't, you need a better vibe sometimes with the music and it really helps create that atmosphere. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. We yeah, love to even do like the school of music and everything. We've had different people come through just to support it and teach the kids and everything. Cause we're just trying to fill those gaps that are missing in a lot of our local school systems, especially if they're cutting out art and music, you know, you got to come in and try to find ways to give back. Totally, man. Absolutely. So I kind of want to do a little section, man. We kind of like usually do, um, we do a little section, uh, we call it. Check your feed. Check your, Check feed. your feed. Check your feed. Check your feed. Check your feed. All right. Basically, we're just going to pull up your feed real quick. And then I kind of just want to talk about, <clears throat> Uh, some of your artwork, man, because we've been talking about kind of like your organization that you've been uh, uh, creating, man, and that that's all fine and dandy, but man, my man gets gets down and dirty with the art too himself, man. You, you know what I mean? So yes, he does, man. <laughs> so I just want to pull up this completed mural. You have you have two kids and a beautiful wife, dude. Uh, I'm assuming those are, that's your family, right? <laughs> no, they're just some random Asian dudes. That just like two kids, and I was like, the stick so lonely, you know. You have two daughters. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's my wife and two kids. I have two girls. Two girls? Awesome. Teach has uh, two oh, kids as well. You got lucky, man. You got lucky. But you have two I, boys? No. Well, yeah. No, I, I only got half lucky. Um, I, I got twins, a boy and a girl. Oh, nice. Awesome. Well, yeah. Yeah. See, a lot of people say that, but uh, I, I recommend one at a time and yeah, um, or both <laughs> the same because um, – you know, even though they're, they're opposite sex, everything is still a competition and it's always, everything's a fight. Um, but, you know what, uh, though? Chinese people, like the word good, the character for good actually is a male and a female. And so basically what it means is that according to traditional Chinese people, like the best family is like when you have a male and a female. It doesn't say anything about twins at the same time, but I'm just saying if you're following traditional because, yeah, because the you, need the, oh, dude, you need the female to be like your servant, you know, like cook and clean and take care of you when you're old and stuff, you know. And yes. then the male like gets all the money and can like carry the name on and stuff, you know. Well, yeah. our, Chinese um, thinking. <laughs> it'll probably be the opposite with my kids uh, just because of how they're wired. Um, our daughter will probably go out and, and, and make the money 
um, and use our son to do it with, mind you. Um, and then meanwhile, um, when he's not working for her, he'll be home uh, taking care of us because he's, he's the biggest sweetheart in our, our, <laughs> our daughter's a little asshole. <laughs> so, so She'll you, admit it herself. Is your man. wife Chinese, uh, Jasper? She's like Chinese Vietnamese. Okay, then, okay. Yeah, but, but then uh, with both of us, like, I was always like, no, you're not Chinese. Like, you look Vietnamese. <laughs> and so then both of us did like sort of the DNA test to sort of like make sure. She's like Chinese, but then she has some Vietnamese and Filipino in her. Okay. And then when I did it, they said that I was 4% Polynesian. Mm. She was like, I was, I was like super stoked on originally because then I, then I became like a super big Moana fan. <laughs> and I started like liking The Rock and all his movies and everything because I had like no connection before. But then you know how they, they always like update those tests all the yes, time? Yes, yes. I was and just I talking- again, I'm like, a, I'm like a freaking 100% Chinese now. <laughs> And I'm like, that's a waste of money because I already knew that. So, <laughs> did you get your um, did you get ancestry or DNA? Which one did you I get? I did ancestry, but then like <clears throat> my my wife did the other one. Okay, you know it's it's interesting. Like uh, I did my ancestry too, and yeah, they, I was they were mocking me because they said they gave me an update, man. Like I'm like half Northern Chinese, half like Southern Chinese, and then I actually like imported my uh my results into like this one chinese company which now in retrospect they were probably just stealing my information actually <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, but it actually sure. <laughs> they actually broke it down since you're taiwanese yeah exactly <laughs> they need to know all the family origins and everything like but you know they told me i'm like one percent like japanese and then like two percent korean but back to my ancestry one it circled like north korean and like Ch- north china like the same thing basically right so i mean i guess yeah. historically it's the same thing right <laughs> i mean yeah uh, mine was just like it's just china i'm like cool <laughs> yeah I, I remember they circled it they just like you're not japanese and you're not indian but we're gonna circle the rest of fucking asia basically yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're just asian you're Asian, by the way you're 100 percent asian i'm like oh sweet. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's like you know for, for the european that's what i'm saying for white people like they do the ancestry find out all these cool things oh i'm part polish i'm part spanish you, you know what i mean but for us they're just like all right you're asian dude you're asian. Cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways man the, this mural at h mart man h mart if you don't know is like kind of like an asian korean supermarket dude um yeah. i'm always just curious man like how what's the pitch man do you go to like h mart and say like hey can i talk to your manager or did you have like some connection because i think that's what a lot of artists like they need man they you know they want to get out there they want to paint on walls they think they're pretty good you know like what is you know how do you approach this type of a situation because you talked about the pitch being very important earlier well in this case they reached out to me oh okay um yeah nice. then they knew my work they knew of this specific stuff because i've done murals like this in long beach and in sardinia italy and so then they saw that work and wanted also um there the thing about this mural is that originally they asked me to do it at their hq uh their, their original hq and then COVID happened and we all got locked down uh. so luckily you know in these cases like they, they wanted to keep the project alive because in some other cases they just kind of kill the project altogether because i've probably lost around seven jobs this year because of COVID. Jeez. Oh, just God. like a loss of like that. marketing budgets you know just shifts and or even like, you know, in our inability to travel. Um, yep. Because then if, right now in Hawaii, we have a very strict two-week quarantine if you travel. So if I was to oh, come yeah. back home, I wouldn't even be able to really stay in the house. Because I have to be quarantined away from my family for two weeks. So either they throw me into a small room or a closet somewhere for two weeks, or I have to find a hotel room for two weeks. 
Good yeah. Grief. yeah, so, you know, so then, like, I can't really travel out right now. So uh -huh. a lot of these projects just, like, all fell through. Um, uh. And so, but luckily, like, they kept this one alive, and they said, you know what, like, instead of doing it at our H, can you do it in our newly opened store um, in the food court? And so then I met with them, and they, said, and they asked me, like, what would be good? And I, and I pretty much chose this wall because it's the most visible wall. And they already sort of, like, liked this design and these characters. And so then they just let me paint it. Kind of gave me a lot of creative freedom, luckily. That's awesome. Of, in some I, cases, like, you know, they make you go through tons of rounds of revisions, get everyone approved. And that was the case with, like, working with Uniqlo, where I went through tons of revisions until they finally approved it. Uh, but in this case, they approved it almost immediately. You know, and it was really wow. great in that regard. Man, you worked with Uniqlo came. before. Like, major guys like Cause work with Uniqlo and stuff, man. Big ups to that, man. Hell yeah. What kind of, uh, what kind of paint did you use on that mural? That mural, I used um, a bear. Uh, bear and the paint, just house paint. Oh, okay. So, yeah. like, rollers and, and brushes? Yeah, and... so, like, yeah. So, I used, like, rollers and brushes. I, I personally like to use this weird brush. It's called a... It's like the brand is called Zebra, Z-I-B-R-A. It's like a triangle brush, but they use it for like painting the corners of- Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I kind of like them. I don't know, like I, I, I'm kind of like into those weird little brushes, you know, like so, and they use that plus like some just like regular flat brushes. Oh, I can but see then, how that would really work well for those, uh, for those shapes you're doing. Yeah, but also like in this case, like if you look at the wall, it's like half drywall and the other half is like, um, it was like CMU block. But part part of it was sort of like smooth, and the and the rest of it was like really rough and textured. Oh, I can so those, see. I can see. Whoa! You can see like half the wall. You can see that like like with the art with the sun on the bottom. You can see how the orange changes between the two. Yep. Wall types. Um, yep. Yeah. So cinder like block and those, then. Yeah. So then with the with those brushes, it's easier for me to paint on cinder. Yep. Yeah. Look at that tips right there, man. This is this the one we're talking about? This brush? Yeah, yeah, and also it's a cheap ass brush too. So then, like, if you f, f it up, then you you don't feel bad. Because I yeah. have some of those like nice Liquitex brushes, and they cost like sixty bucks or something. You feel really bad about using it because you're worried. Yep. You know, and so like with these cheap, when I buy brushes from City Mail, it's like it's okay if you if you mess it up. You know, like you feel less worried about screwing up all your brushes. Man. Jasper, do you do this? I I. I <laughs> I don't get nice brushes anymore, okay? Because yeah. um, what I, what happened was I had like three nice brushes, okay? And they would sit over in that cup and I would get ready to do a project. I'm like, oh, well, God, they're too nice for this project, okay? I don't wanna, I don't wanna mess them up yet, I don't wanna mess them up yet. Next project, ah, now that I, it's they're yeah. too nice for this project. And then they just fucking sat there for like years. Yeah. And I never <laughs> used them because I was too afraid because they were too nice. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah, I'm the same. I buy cheap brushes from Home Depot, and like, and like, if if I want to ask them to buy different brushes, then I'm, I'm I I buy like the mid range or cheapest brushes. I never buy the nice ones anymore. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah exactly. Tips from the masters, man. Hell yeah, dude. Like, look at that. Eight ninety nine. You know what, dude? You can give you can give um you know an average artist the best uh, art supplies, and he's gonna give you a, an okay painting. Okay. Or you can give the best artists some kind of okay <laughs> art supplies and you can get a fucking masterpiece. Nice. I like that, man. I like that, man. Dude, man, you've worked with so many different brands, man. You work with, I'm looking at your timeline real quick. You work at, with like Zippies, man. Like, uh, you know, I love, I love Zippies, man. If you don't know, Zippies is like a uh, uh, Hawaiian uh, 
Dutch Denny's, right? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> they have like some bomb ass like spaghetti, basically. Or, uh, you know, I buy that shit yeah, frozen for the chicken. Day. I have really good fried chicken. Yeah, 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 the fried chicken too, man. <laughs> so, dude, man, what, what, you lived all around the world before, man. So, obviously, you, you know, uh, it's not, what, what made you want to go back to Hawaii? Because I feel like a lot of people who are from Hawaii, that's they that's either love it. I can answer that answer. I got my girlfriend pregnant. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> dude, I, well, hey, at least you're being responsible, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, why I stayed, man. How long have you guys been well, married? I mean, like, I think a big part, too, is that my, my dad abandoned us, like, left us when we were, like, tw when I was 12. Oh, so okay. a big part of me is also, like, wanting to be a good father, you know? And, mm -hmm. and that was a really important aspect of my life is that when I do become a father, I want to be a good father. I don't want to be like my father. Sure. I want to be like him, like, left us when we were kids. And so, Dude, so then man, when that's... she got pregnant, I was like, all down. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to take care of the kids. You know, we'll get married to the whole night. Which obviously, if you're Chinese, you're like, what the hell? You, that's not how you do it. Like, you're going backwards, you have to get married and have a kid. You know, we're like, uh. that's, my that's brother true. did the same thing. We saw, you know, like, we just. <laughs> You know what? I, I love this because I feel like, you know, growing up Chinese in America, it's like very strange, man. You have like these hard, fast, like kind of like staple values that you're kind of raised, your family kind of raised you in. And then you have all these like American culture that you're literally raised into. So you're constantly like, do I need to be Chinese right now or do I need to be more American right now? Uh, for me personally, I think that people who grow up in this type of environment, man, you're actually able to adapt a little bit more if you master both realms, actually. Y you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah especially when you like grow up like it's so skewed too right it's like, it's like you grow up watching so many like so much like rap music videos and stuff and you're always like oh this is, is that how a pool party is supposed to be and so jesper do you have any brothers or sisters yeah i have that... two younger brothers and one half younger brother okay all boys yeah oh all boys oh, man, man you with... poor parents man i mean yeah my mom raised the three of us by herself you know like it was crazy i, I oh hope, man uh, i'm sorry my mom raised the three of us. Like she was a single mother, raised three boys. I can't like now that I have kids. It's like how do you even do that? I, I can't oh even my do that. god! And I'll tell you right now, well, man. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that um, she's probably. I hope she's very proud of of what you're doing with with the powwow and and all the amazing um, artwork and everything that you're creating. But from what you guys have said, um, you know, being Chinese in that culture, coming up, like when she found out you were an artist, um, like. That, that must have been, I mean, what, was she, was there something else your mom wanted you to be other than an artist? No, surprisingly, like, she was super supportive of it. Wow. Oh. Yeah, she kind of, and, and I think a big part of it, too, is that, like, I started making money doing it at a younger age, like, when I was in high school, because I started working for design companies and doing, like, websites and logos and different things like that. And so I was bringing home a paycheck at a younger age, and she was like, wow. oh, because I'm like, for Chinese people, like, success equates to, like, money. Yeah. You know, like my grandmother used to tell me, like, I would never get married or get a girlfriend if I didn't have money. You know, like, because I had no money while I was single. So I was like, yeah. No, you know, it, it's, it's funny, man. Like, my parents are, uh, it's interesting. I was like, personality was the main thing. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's what, what Americans do. That's what I'm saying. There's, yeah. there's this, like, duality, right? In America, like, it, basically, you know, I'm telling you, like, uh, Chinese, Chinese marriages aren't really arranged, but a lot of times they're kind of, like, set up by different parents or elders you know and a lot of times i mean uh, especially nowadays in mainland china man it's like 
they they the first thing they ask is like, hey, what are your conditions? Uh, in in Mandarin, it's like Basically, it's like you know, are 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 your parents gonna be able to buy us a house, or are you gonna be able to buy us a house? Like, what are our living conditions gonna be after uh, we we get married? You know what I mean? So, I mean, in China, actually, since there's so you know so much of the uh, population is in poverty, actually, there's like a massive amount of extra males because of the whole one child policy issue. So you know, a lot of girls have a lot of uh, pickings, basically, you know, and, uh, but like I said, it's, uh, it's for me right now, China being very, <clears throat> I guess, strong on the world stage. Um, it's very strange for, for somebody like me, because I feel like, you know, there was a couple of years where it looked like they were doing the right thing and uh, it looked like there's something, but you know, nowadays you can just see the Chinese communist party hasn't changed like at all, man. I mean, you know, they're still oppressing the Uyghurs. I mean, it's very strange because American media, sometimes they're so against Trump that they actually kind of like praise China in sometimes. And uh, to, to me, like, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. What about, how do you feel, Jasper? I mean, for me, it's like really hard because I have a lot of Hong Kong roots. Yeah. And what's going on in Hong Kong, it's been devastating. You yeah. Know? Like I'll never be able to go back to the Hong Kong that I know that I grew up going to, that I lived in. You know, it's, it's never going to be the same, you know? And, and, nope. and what they're doing now, it's like, it's like, you know, they've, they recently like jailed or arrested one of the uh, Apple Daily that one of the editors because yeah. he's always been sort of like pro democracy anti China in that regard. That's know? right. I remember and seeing. Then, and then people were like, "Oh, what's the protest for in Hong Kong?" I'm like, "Bro, like it's like a civil rights protest is what it is. You know, they're, they're fighting for their right to like for democracy. <laughs> yeah, use like, their own sort of like leaders. You know, and now they're just getting jailed for even speaking out." Yeah, it's funny because I think the official date that Hong Kong. By the way, I love China. Just in case they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> never be hey, able to go back. say this, dude. <laughs> James and I, James and I were in Shanghai in November of last year. So, um, I, I think we actually got the COVID when we were there because every every night we were like <laughs> coughing and sneezing and everything is you know I don't know that or the the um, pollution or or whatever. Um, but ever since I came back from that fucking trip. Remember the first call that I made, there was like this weird little fucking and like a click of my phone. And I was just like, great. Yeah. You never know, man. <laughs> you're probably using TikTok is what you're doing. You're probably using TikTok, doing some like videos and are watching you. <laughs> I'm 51, dude. I don't do TikTok. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel you, man. I stopped at Instagram. But, but you have like, the WeChat. Snapchat? You, you wait. Okay. I hate journaling thing. Okay, everything. Okay. I, I, to write, it drives me fucking crazy, okay? I hate doing journaling. So if I'm going to write something down and make a post and put something up, the fuck if I wanted to disappear after I go through all that effort? So this whole Snapchat thing was like, what the fuck is this stupid shit? I'm Did glad, it, I mean, if it was around when I was younger it, to get hooked up, I mean, hooking up with girls and stuff, oh my God, <laughs> it would have been great for that. But, you know, as an artist, wanting to catalog my work and leave something behind that I really fucking hate doing, cataloging my work and writing and shit, you know, that just never made sense to me. And so I, I just, I was like, you know what? I'm stopping at Instagram, stopping at Instagram. I stopped doing Facebook because all my friends went political and I was like, you know what? Uh -uh, I'm not gonna do um, and so this- Look man, the, it's the all the about reels now, okay? <laughs> TikTok, all this other shit, my kids will be doing it. My kids will be doing it, and then you know I'll have them like make something for me, and then film me doing it. And I'll never have even have to touch or do anything. They'll do it all for me. Perfect. 
So <laughs> if it's still around, if it's not banned, that is, if it doesn't get banned or yeah, you know, that. So, so yeah, real quick, I, I mean, like Microsoft will just buy it and then like mess it up. Well, yeah, yeah. and then and then we'll take a you know Trump will take a chunk out of it. It's real funny, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. But real quick, I want to ask. That ask is that. one of the most gangster things right there. I mean, uh, yeah, and we want we want to cut. I mean, dude. That's gangster. You got to think about this, though, because but the thing is, China kind of pulled the same gangster shit on America when Google moved in. Uh, <clears throat> they basically said, yeah, you, you know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. China basically copied them, uh, all their internal thing and all their internal data code and basically created their own. And then they can manipulate it. And Facebook was never allowed in. Right. Google was never allowed in. So I, I'm just saying, like, it's just. Sometimes I feel like, man, like China's so gangster that like Trump is another, just another gangster dude that can actually face up to uh, some things that China's doing, man. Because uh, like I said, man, at the end of the day, uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, who's right, man, but I don't know. I, I, let's get back to, let's get back to talking about art, man. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, man, so, so I'm telling you, man, powwow, dude, when's your next one, man? What's your guys, I mean, obviously COVID is kind of like, putting a, a you know hindrance into um you know what's your plans for it it put a huge like you know wrench in our gears for sure um because then now we can't really do any sort of like public facing events but you know what we can do is we can still paint walls because mm. for a lot of cities even in hawaii it's cool for us to paint murals because we kind of fit underneath the sort of construction worker category mm. for like interior painting yeah yeah, and, and we're wearing masks. We can wear a mask, and we can socially distance because we can just like be one or two guys on the wall. So you know, there's still we're still going to be doing three projects this year: one in Rotterdam, one in Lancaster, California, and another in Washington D.C. Um, and so all three of those are still going to move forward, but only walls, like only murals. Um, and Any so, dates on those yet? approximate um, so them so then both uh rotterdam and lancaster are like in september uh like mid-september they pretty much kind of like overlap each other and then um we're looking at dc in october yeah. and i think that's going to be about and then san jose is going to do like some smaller projects so we're hoping that we can sort of like just weather the storm this year and then restart it all 2021 hopefully Mm. Um, but then we were lucky to, to be able to do Hawaii this year in February, like right before all the lockdowns. So we, we always have that. I mean, how what's the uh, process for artists if they want to participate normally? I mean, um, y y you know, I in mean, different it's like, cities. It's like a curated event. Um, so we so we tend to choose the artists, but um, I always welcome people to like email me, um, send me their portfolio so I can take a look at it. Uh, all of our rosters around the around the world, we um, make sure that half the roster is local, and the other half is visiting. Because mm -hmm. we don't want to look like, you know, coming in and just painting someone's town and, like, leaving. So we want to be able to, like, work and... Very smart. Very smart. Community and do a lot of community-based work. Um, yep. And so a lot of times with our local list, sometimes we also can, are able to work with a lot of, like, you know, amazing emerging artists. You know, but also at the same time, we're not creating based on, like, social media following either. You know, like, there's a lot mm -hmm. of artists that we bring on board that I think are doing amazing work. And we want to give them a chance. A lot of people have done their first murals with us. And we've, you know, try to help them you know, uh, you know, figure out different techniques and different ways to sort of get their work on a larger scale. So we're always happy and always want to do that kind of work too. So, you know, so then we have those three coming up next year because normally we're doing like 10 or 11 a year. Mm. This year we'll have about four, but you know, which is still good, you know, still a lot. Dude, that's awesome, man. Well, like I said, man, I mean, 
honestly, I, I, I just love to support you because uh, I'm pretty sure, like I said, you're, you're doing what all the artists like that get into this uh, uh, realm, like aspire to do, you, you know, I mean, whether it's working with different brands, man, whether it's painting around the world, man. I mean, this podcast is basically, to be honest, it's like, uh, we hope it to grow into programs that we can uh, offer opportunities to artists just just like you are. You know, you know I mean, we've been, me and Teach, we've been traveling uh, uh, in the past couple of years for this podcast for Street Art Man. And just I'm just so happy to finally get to connect with you, man. And, uh, um, you. and you know, like I said, man, it's always good to talk to another Chinese art, Chinese brother in the art scene, man. You, you know, because <laughs> I, I feel like, it, you know, especially uh asian americans man which which you brought up earlier man about how uh you know sometimes we don't feel very comfortable you know in asian in asia over there they don't see us as asian and over here uh in america they may not see us as american enough you know you know what i mean so i always say we're constantly on this bridge in between these two continents man so it's just it's just awesome to talk to another brother that's kind of in this scene man oh thanks man thanks thanks a lot Oh yeah, man. And uh, dude, man. So getting my voice deeper. You gotta smoke, <laughs> you gotta smoke some weed, smoke man. It. I know you're dead now, dude. I, I don't know if you partake in the. Uh, is weed even legal in Hawaii, man? <laughs> Not yet. I mean, like it's like I think it's still in the medicinal stages. Okay. And we have a few spots but yeah i mean i do but then not, not as much to be honest like, for sure man <clears throat> for sure man it's actually kind of um it's in order to be able to smoke weed if you're going to hawaii and you're not hawaiian um you need to apply about two months ahead of time uh to get your card and um yeah yeah because otherwise it, i know uh, i know last time i went man i just literally went to a 7-eleven and there's two skater dudes standing in front and then he said i'll be right back and then he came back with some <laughs> with some really bomb ass weed man so i, I mean, <laughs> you know hawaii weed is amazing man I, I mean i'm a huge stoner but obviously i get my shit done too man but uh, uh you, you know like i said hawaii weed is the, that lava rock is fucking tasty man shit dude but um hey dude real quick so we're pretty much running up on an hour man but i wanted to uh share with you this uh stencil wow. that we were talking about earlier of uh teach did with uh eddie uh -huh. Yeah, right here, dude. So. Oh, that's dope. That looks awesome. Can you, uh, oh, wait. Yeah, there he is right there. There's Clyde. That's Clyde Eichel right there. Oh, awesome. He was stoked. <laughs> yeah, because so I did a uh, practice with the Hokulea. Um, well, there's a lot of, like, you know, ties with Eddie Eichel because he passed away trying to save them when they were stranded. Yeah, man. I mean, I've learned a lot about, uh, oh, there, there you go, man. <laughs> yeah, so, so this yeah. is Clyde when he was uh, younger. These guys together saved over 500 people at Waimea Bay. Um, so He's a I big did, uh, boogie board uh, surfer. Clyde, I put the, uh, the lifeguard tower right here, oh, little nice. uh, steps coming down, kind of put that in there, and then uh, one of uh, Eddie, it's got all the actually made this into Waimea Bay right here oh, and uh, made all the stars and the surfers, little turtles in there, and then all the Hawaiian symbols in there. Um, oh, man. I didn't that's know. The, that's the, um, the design that I did with the um, Eddie I. Cal Foundation to, uh, to do working on some artwork with them. Yeah, that's right. 
Thanks, awesome, man. man, dude. Yeah. So I, I, so anyways, man, let's, let's drop some socials, man. Uh, work, uh, uh, work, where's your Instagram? If somebody wants to reach out to you, you know, maybe to, uh, talk about powwow or just to connect to see your art, man. Yeah. I mean, social wise, Instagram, uh, at Mr. Jasper Wong. Um, otherwise you can email me at say hi at jasperwong.net. Uh, awesome. and then uh, power worldwide, of course. Awesome. Okay. And man, Powwow Worldwide is the uh, uh, yeah is the official page, and there's, there's a bunch of Powwow like Long Beach Powwow in Hawaii. There's a bunch of sub pages yeah. too, man. So and we have uh, a website too, but then we're still kind of like we've created a powwowworldwide.com website, but we're still entering all the content from all the past years. It's just taking forever. It's like 10, 11 years worth. Oh just, my gosh! You know, so many murals and everything. So it's just taking forever to sort of do. Man, awesome. awesome! I can't wait man. to see it, man. Yeah, thank you for documenting all this stuff too, man. I feel like it, it, you know, it, it. Like I said, without you know all the people that document it, man, all this stuff would be forgotten, man. So, dude, Jasper, I want to thank you so much, man. My Chinese brother for coming on the podcast and and talking to us a little bit more about powwow and your story, man. And uh, uh, thank you so. You know much. what? Maybe uh, maybe we come and cover one of the, the future powwows. Yeah, you know, right. come and set up. Uh, yeah, because then we're, little... we're we're not. We're thinking about like not doing Hawaii next year, but then we're going to do like an exhibition at the Bishop Museum next year in May. So okay, where's that? Um, it's right in Honolulu. It's like there's like two major museums here. It's either the um, or three actually, and so there's like the Museum of Art, Honolulu Museum of Art, and the Bishop Museum. So we're working with them on doing like a like an exhibition. Awesome, guys, Kristen like and Shep and all those guys and and, and more. Awesome, man. And like I said, man, if you need, if you want us to come by and cover it, man, and just do some interviews on the side, we've covered quite a few events, man. Or if you need a DJ, man, or anything like that, dude, I'd love to help you out. We'll bring some paint too. We'll have yeah, our paint ready. Uh, we got, I, we got a new uh, paint line coming along, dude, and uh, we'll love to send you some cans and things like that uh, when it all gets ready, man. And also, we're well connected with the, the New York street art scene too. Uh, we got a magazine, Up Magazine, out there. They covered a lot of street art stuff. I love to get them in contact with you to give some, to give your guys yeah, some right. coverage too. You know, what I mean. So, anyways, man, dude, thank you so much, Jasper. I appreciate you so much, man. And uh, it's been a blast, man. I can't wait to when this is all over, man. Hang out in person, man. And it, it'll be a dope yeah. time, man. Talk some more about being Chinese, yeah. man. Oh <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you so much, man. All right, to the audience, love you guys. Take care and peace. Thank you, Jasper. <laughs>